Everybody and welcome back to our second episode of Love Within Walls, a Prison Wife podcast. I'm your friendly host, Gigi here, and I am here with... Hi, it's Paige. You're also friendly host. My friendly co-host here. Yeah. Um, and we're here today to talk about what, Paige? What are we talking about today? Oh, we are talking about the fun topic of visitation. The key of connection between our incarcerated loved ones, and us. It's almost like going on a date, but not. Before we even do that, can we just talk about how amazing everyone's response to our first episode was? Yes, I I do want to say thank you guys so much for all of the incredible support. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you. We can't thank you enough. All of the wonderful feedback we've gotten um, in our inbox and our inboxes, I should say, has been incredible. Uh, People just texting me and saying, wow, this was great. I needed this so bad. And you're not going to believe this page, but Remember how last week I told you about my friend who found out about me and Michael and she was upset that I didn't tell her. Yeah. She's like really conservative. She actually found my Instagram. She said, Oh my God, you have a podcast. Oh my goodness. I was like, yes, I do. And she said, why didn't you tell me this? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I just figured, you know, it's prison stuff and you don't want to hear about it. And she's like, Oh my God, I'm going to go listen. So even people that are not prison wives, my friend, uh, my best friend commented and, and, and hit me up and said, Oh my God, I'm going to listen to this and I can't wait to hear it. So just the overall support for yeah. the pod. And I just want to echo that and say, I really appreciate all of the messages and all of the different people that reached out to me on all different social media, whether it was like through our group page, through TikTok, through my personal Instagram or anything. I've already connected with a few really amazing people who are going through a lot of similar things that we are. And it's really nice to just be able to build onto this community of have a firm understanding of everything that we're going through. And I'm so glad that one way or another, we all came across each other and we get to go on this journey together. Amen. And amen again. And just for those of you that are looking for additional support, we do have our Love Within Walls Facebook support group, and you're welcome to come join. All we please ask join. Please, and please, and we'll be having our first uh, G&I for March coming up soon. So that way, it'd be a great way to meet some other people in, in the same realm, uh, on the same journey, have great conversation. So Please come find us. Look us up on Facebook, Love Within Walls. All right. So let's go ahead and dive into the wonderful topic. Everybody's, even people that don't have an incarcerated loved one, always want to know about visitation. Just uh, a little forewarning here. 
Every facility in every state, whether you're in a state-run facility, a county facility, or a federal facility, has different rules, different protocols. When we talk about our experiences, obviously my experience is going to be completely different than Paige's. The rules, you need to check with your particular facility for information. And maybe, like we said last week, find some support groups that deal with your particular facility or your state or your uh, the federal BOP um, support groups, things like that, if you have particular questions about things that we talk about today. I've been to three prisons so far visiting Joe in California, so I can definitely echo and say that the rules change depending on the facility. Before we even talk about maybe what we were expecting for visits, I kind of want to touch on why visits are so important. And, oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. not not even just for us especially, but for, you know, our incarcerated loved ones, especially the face-to-face visits, taking those away during COVID was, you know, terrible for them, terrible for us. I always just tried to keep that in the back of my head during COVID whenever I was so upset because video visit was canceled due to someone being sick or something, how mad and frustrated I was that, you know, how is Joe feeling too? And I'll be honest, like, I never thought I would make it through COVID. Like I never, it was hard because of the no visitation and no contact and all of those things. Um, I just thought I would never make it, but we did. We, we, I don't know. I'm sure y'all did too. Most facilities opened up. We never had video visits before until COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were able to have like 10 minute session of a video visit. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. 10 minutes. That's all we got. A, A 10 minute session. How often? Um, you could have them every five days. What? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, during COVID, the prisons over here, I think that when we had the weekend video visits, I I already, it's a blur to me. I think that we had it two days every weekend and they were an hour long, but you had to fight for them, which is a thing that we can talk about later. So you weren't guaranteed. Yeah. Oh, like the the scheduling and stuff like that. Is that what you're talking about? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll definitely um, get into more of that as we go through this pod uh, for this week. Um, And just a reminder, guys, um, I've got a couple questions in the inbox about our pod. It drops every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Apple and Spotify. Please subscribe so you get those notifications in your library or whatever they have for um, Spotify as far as your subscription to pods go. So let's go ahead and dive into visits. It's visit day, Paige. Yay. I love visit day. Okay. Me too. I get so excited. (sighs) I know. Um, Me too. And, and visits uh, and like, I'm going to, I'm going to hit that topic that you said visits matter. Visits are a connecting tool outside of the phone and the emails and the letters. It's also giving you some human contact with your loved one. And it's so it's it's important for any prison relationship to be able to have that. And, and I have to commend the people that live very far away or don't visit very often because uh, I know it was, like I said, for COVID, it was very hard for me. Um, to not visit Michael the two times a month I get to go. So kudos to y'all because y'all are strong because these visits are everything to me. I know when I'm feeling um, a certain type of way or if I'm in my feels, sometimes going to see him makes me feel like I almost like re-fall in love with him because, you know, the distance is so much sometimes. 
mm-hmm. seeing him in front of me is it, it re it reignites that flame. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's like the butterflies that you have when you first get together, but they just like, don't go away. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about why visits matter for them, especially, you know, for them, it's, it's a, it's a big deal because, um, I remember from last week, some incarcerated individuals who do not get any visits whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, it's almost like their friends and family have shut them off from, the the world they have no engagement with their friends or family so um i'm gonna let you go ahead and talk about why visits matter to our incarcerated loved ones yeah well i mean i can even touch on i did ask joe three questions regarding visitation and this was one of them is you know what does it mean for you like how does visitation impact your emotional well-being and mental health And his answer was visitation impacts my emotional well-being and mental health in a positive way because it shows me that people care about me. I've done a lot of negative things in my life. And the fact that my wife and family still want to be a part of my life, despite the negative verbal effect of my actions, gives me hope and motivation to strive to be the best person that I can be. In addition, having the support system gives me a huge boost, especially on days when I'm feeling any kind of stress or sadness. I think that that explains it perfectly. It's so amazing for us. And it's just as amazing for them. Tell Joe I said, well said. So good with his words. I'm like, (laughs) oh, sorry. I mean, for Michael, obviously, um, his love language is quality time, physical touch. So having visits and having that person in front of him or next to him is something that is it's good for his emotional well-being his uh, and also his social emotional well-being because he lived um about 19 years in solitary confinement um and they had That's 20 yeah so insane yeah he had very limited contact with other human beings and so for him it's almost like when someone would touch him it, he would jump cuz he wouldn't know he it, it, i guess the the lack of physical contact was strange. It was foreign to him at some point, but his love language is definitely physical touch. He loves holding hands, you know, me touching his face. He needs that. And so that helps him have a better, you know, social emotional balance to be more normal, to feel like a human being. If that's kind of where I'm going with this, because for so long, he didn't get a lot of visits and he um, lived pretty much alone 23-1, which if you don't know what 23-1 is, it's basically like 23 hours in a single cell and one hour on the hall or on the yard, you know, with time on the yard, take a shower, that kind of thing. So, so for him, obviously the visits are good for him to feel con- connected in our marriage, but also for him to feel human, you know, for lack of better words. Yep. So, Visits are extremely important for them, but also for us, I think for the prison wife side of it, it gives us, to me, it makes me feel like we're a normal couple. If that, I don't know, I don't know how else to say it. Like, to an um, extent for us. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes me feel like this is not just, he's like the first time I actually had a contact visit, which I'll get into my visits and what they're like in a second. But the first time I had a contact visit, I was like, Oh my God, you're a real boy. <laughs> like, I can't believe you're real. Like, cause you know, for so long, for all those months, it was like, he was just this figment 
of my like in my I, imagination because I had never met him before. That's how it was for Joe and I because I we had been talking in in a relationship for like ten months and I knew him through and through, but I had never seen him in front of me. Yeah, so actually having them right there, it's like this is real. Like this is a real thing. It's not just a voice or a penmanship on paper. Like it's actually a real thing. Um, Paige, do you want to talk about the first time you ever visited Joe? So my first visit to Joe was at a prison in Northern California named High Desert. I had heard all kinds of things about visiting from the different uh, Facebook groups I had joined. I had specifically found a few High Desert ones and reached out to a few different ladies who had gone there just kind of to get like some feedback. What's going on? What can I expect? They were telling me all kinds of things about how, you know, you couldn't even have certain bras with clamps on the back. And I'm like, well, where do you find <laughs> find a bra that doesn't have a clamp? on the back you know what I mean like mm-hmm. uh <laughs> just going on about how you know everything will set the detector off so I'm like all scared and nervous and I always go into situations expecting the worst it's kind of like a flaw of mine I think it's my brain preparing for yeah, what could go it's wrong better to be prepared for the worst you know yeah so I'm expecting to go into my visit and everything go wrong so I, I go in and um Joe's mom actually took me for our our first visit, like I said, it was during COVID. So it was only two hours long, which was unfortunate. But at the time we could take anything we would get because they had been on lockdown and it was terrible. His mom took me to the visit. She actually walked me into the prison. I was like, do you mind walking me in? Cause it's like a little bit of a walk there. And I had no idea where I was going. And you know, I had no idea what to even expect when I got in there, but got in there and um, she walked back to the car and I got checked in. It wasn't too crazy of a process, but then after they check you in, you have to walk through these gates and you have to walk to the facility that you're visiting. And I remember I was walking on the wrong sidewalk. The person in the tower yelled at me and I was like, I don't know where I'm going. Like, <laughs> can we label things? I don't know. <laughs> I remember getting in there and, you know, wearing my face mask and sitting at my table and just like sitting there, like my legs were like doing the nervous jitters. And I was just like playing with my fingernails, acting all nonchalant, although I'm as nervous as I've been in my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the California prisons, they typically bring them in after you're in there. So I was just sitting there kind of waiting and you know, all of a sudden I see this very tall bald man walk in with his face mask and I'm like, Oh my gosh. And, you know, he walks over and we take a long hug. I think we got yelled at for the hug being too long. Oh, wow. That's a thing. Okay. I'm like, okay. And then we had to put our face masks back up and we sat across from each other at a table we weren't allowed to touch. Oh, man. (laughs) So it it sounds like it's like, you know, oh, man, oh, man. But, like, at, at the same time, I was so excited to see him and be there. And I had waited for this moment for so long. Like, I wasn't going to let anything ruin it, really. Yeah. It was a great visit. You know, we just took the time soaking up each other's eyes. I remember we got told halfway through the visit that I was apparently sitting on the wrong side of the table. And um, everyone who's incarcerated had to sit on one side and I was sitting on the wrong side. So we had to flip sides. And then my eyes were, I guess, facing the window. And he was just telling me how he was just lost in my eyes. And I'm like, oh, stop. That's so sweet. Uh, It was it was really amazing. And you know, I don't have too many complaints other than how cold it was, but it was also December in Northern California. So, okay. Yeah. 
what it, it is what it is. And it was uh, not as bad as I expected, even with the conditions. And, you know, I don't have many complaints for it. It, it happened, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and it was at a tough time too, that, that you had your first visit. It was. Yeah. Mine, my first visit, I was, I was basically, I was terrified. I was completely terrified. Like I said last week, I had never been anywhere in any kind of prison or facility ever. And I was going by myself and the protocols have changed since I first went to Angola. When I got there, there's a line to be processed in the visitor center. Like you check in at the front gate, basically. Um, and there was, you know, the, the metal detectors and then they even have like a booth where you go stand in and there's fans and there's a dog, like a drug sniffing dog to see if you were bringing in contraband or whatever. So I was terrified cause I was like, Oh my God, what if like it smells something on me, you know, mm-hmm. like even though, you know, I didn't have anything or anything like that, I would never, but you just think about all of the worst case scenarios. Like, um, I was shaking as I went through the metal detector, um, our dress code is not as strict as a lot of the other facilities in other states. Um, you know, their biggest thing is you can't just wear an all white shirt. You can't wear an all blue shirt or an all gray shirt. You can <laughs> wear, you can wear those, but they have to have like, you know, art on them or deck, you know, something on them. Can't wear denim shirts either or camouflage. I feel like I didn't do any justice to how strict CDCRs is because I didn't talk about it. Oh, go ahead. I mean, I've heard like you can only wear certain <laughs> colors, like there's certain colors you can't wear. Like I've, I've heard of that from other CDCR watch. Yeah. Sorry not to interrupt you. I just, you said that and I'm like, you know, I need to point this out. Um, basically the rule is black, 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 like your whole closet just get black clothes at this point. And, you know, even some black clothes you'll still get told are too tight. I'll wear something one week and then I'll go the next week and they're like, actually, that's not okay. Yes. They pick and choose. That's happened to me where I've worn something one week and the next week they're like, no, but it it also depends who's who's working that yep. day and, and what kind of mood and what kind of mood they're in, you know, which is crazy that we even have to worry about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You think, oh, these people are coming to visit people who are incarcerated. That'll probably like uplift their mood, make their job easier. No, they don't care. They're like, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they can send you out, they will. I mean, it, yeah. it's less work that they have to do. Yeah. Sorry. I said it. Sorry, not sorry, but. It's true. I mean, it's the truth. It's yeah. yeah. In California, at least my experiences, for the most part, that is absolutely true. You know, like you be, I wore like a little V-neck shirt, and they said it was too low. But then the person, two people behind me, had the same kind of shirt on. And they let her in. So you know, it's I, like I love uh, that. I love when I'm told that my my clothes are too tight. But then I like look at what some of like the female CLs wear for like pants and stuff, and I'm like, uh, or just other it. visitors. Or just Literally. other visitors. Yeah. Like, like one it. woman was wearing like a dress and you're not supposed to have your dress above your knees. And it was like, you know, halfway mm-hmm. up her thigh, you know? And I'm like, yeah. how can she get in with that? But my little shirt, my little tee is a V-neck and you're saying it's too low, which it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. I think they just, you know, see people and they're like, oh, I'm going to call her out for this. I do. I do think it's like hands. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. It does. It feels like targeting. It does. Yeah. But anyway, so I was terrified. And when I go through the the dog thing and the metal detector and I finally get checked in, when I started going to Angola, they didn't, to buy food, you had to buy, put money in the machine and you got like tickets. Like think of like Chuck E. Cheese or something where, you know, you get tickets coming out of the machine and you put money in, you know, to go get a prize or something. So it was like those tickets, like. Little... That's, how, that's how we get pictures in California. Okay. 
Okay, so y'all, so it's 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 on the other facilities too. So, but my thing was, I forgot. I was so nervous about where to go, what to do. Yep, I've done that. Got to get tickets for food. The good thing is, when I got back to where Michael was, one of the COs said, "Well, I'll go run and get you." I had sixty dollars, like. I'll go run and get you tickets. Like, so she went and got them for me, which was very nice. I think she saw how nervous I really was and how terrified I was. And I started crying because I was like, I forgot when to, you know, I forgot to get them. So I think she took pity on me and wanted to help me out. My first visit with Michael was all glass. I, I didn't, for us, most of our visits are glass visits. Uh, we don't have a lot of contact. So when we do get a contact visit, um, is probably a contact visit would be probably what nor- most normal people think of where you sit, you know, next to or across from each other and you can hold hands and touch each other. Like that would be a regular visit for most people. That's our contact visit. It's the um, glass only because he is on death row. Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, population gets regular visits. Got it. All the time. Because he's on death row, most of our visits are glass visits. We do get five to six contact visits a year. So when I, when you do the math, they are about less than 24 hours a year. I get to touch Michael. I'm going to get angry. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I'm just glad that we actually get those because not every state that has a death row gets that opportunity. Yes, of course, I'd love more, but we make the most out of those contact visits because mm-hmm. they are so few and far between. And I'll tell you the perks of not always having a contact visit when you do get one. I'll tell you that in a little bit. But anyway, let me go back to our first visit. Our first visit was glass. So picture what you would normally see in like a movie or a TV show where, where you see the normal, typical visit scenario where, you know, you're sitting on one side of glass. There's like the old school phone on the wall and then the your loved one or your incarcerated individuals on the other side of the glass and they have a phone. So that's that's basically what it was like. When Michael walked up, because I was there first, I was sitting there, I was terrified. And when he walked up, I saw his face and he was smiling from ear to ear and he made a silly face. And I I just knew. I just knew that that was my person. Like I had known, but like, you know, when you see them in the, in, in the flesh, like in front of you for okay. real solidified everything that him and I had started building through calls and letters and emails. So and yeah, you didn't, so, you didn't meet him when you were married. Uh, we, we started writing. I wrote to him when I was Yeah, married. but like you didn't meet him in person. No, it wasn't until, I mean, I, we started writing in uh, the beginning of August mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't meet him till after Thanksgiving in November. Okay. For a visit. It took me a while. I was terrified, um, to visit just because I kind of knew if I did what would happen, like this would be the, this would be the outcome. Like, mm-hmm. you I know, hear you. Like, <laughs> so, so my first visit with him was just a glass visit and our visits. I, the good thing about the glasses is, is I get to stay all day. So I would get there at like 7 a.m. and I would not leave until 4. So we get the whole day together, which is very, very nice. Not all facilities do that. The great thing about him and where he is, it's a very small camp. There's not a lot of visitors. Sometimes I'm the only visitor there. It's sad to say that, but it's How do you schedule? Well, for glass visits, I don't have to schedule. I can just just go. I can just show up. 
Okay. Now for our contact visits, he has to schedule that with what we would call a classification officer. And she has a calendar and she, you know, there's only so many, I think there's only four incarcerated individuals at a time that can be in the visitation room, hmm. the, the contact visitation room. It's a very small visitation room. It's not like in population, they're huge, right? But at death row, it's tiny. Only four to five incarcerated individuals at a time can be there with their visitors. Um, just because the room is so small and it's just not a big camp. Mm. Also at our facility, it's almost like I tell people this when they get ready to go visit Angola. It's not like you can just walk in and like walk to where your loved one is. It's almost like Disney World. Uh, if you've ever been to Disney World, like the resort where they have buses everywhere and they pick you up and they bring you from the hotel to the park, or whatever. There's buses that bus you from the visitation center to your camp. Eat. There's so many different camps in Angola because it is. Some a, of the prisons are like that here. Right. Yeah, it's in, in California. It's a massive, I think it's what, over 18,000 acre farm facility. It's still a working farm. Where Michael is, it's, he's all the way in the back. So I'm the longest ride out. Like death row is the longest ride out, but it is a very small camp. So when I go for a glass visit, I can stay all day. Now for a contact visit, it's usually about four hours, but I've been blessed a few times to stay all day. I've been blessed to stay more than four hours. Like I'll get there a little early and they'll let me in. So it's, it's pretty awesome in the fact that they treat us, the visitors, for the most part, I've been treated very well. Um, like I said, I've yeah. had one or two instances where it hasn't been good. There's a, it's almost like, it's like a family atmosphere. I hate saying that because Ugh. it's a prison, no. but they, they are very family friendly there. And there's real food. Like it's not vending machines. It's like you can get, you know, we get fried shrimp and catfish. Wow. Um, you get plates, you can get, you know, burgers. There's all like, and they cook them. The, the, the camps have clubs where the incarcerated individuals actually sell stuff for visits. They make stuff and they sell it. So some of that money that you're like, you know, you bring $60 to visit that goes towards the inmate camps or clubs that are putting on like by serving the food. We pay about $12, $13 for a normally $4 microwavable pizza. The price gouging out there is oh, insane. Yeah. There, There's a few bills out right now actually to kind of cut back on that because they're just robbing us like pieces of cake in the vending machine that you can see and you can see the sticker on it from the grocery store when they bought it and it is labeled like three dollars and something and i paid eight dollars i'm like where is this difference yeah that's a major major price gouge and that it's terrible that that's the way the families and the friends of incarcerated individuals get treated like you know everything costs an arm and a leg more luckily we're we're for angola the prices are pretty reasonable the food and the drinks are pretty on point with kind of where it would be out here you know two dollars for a 20 ounce soda you know that kind of thing so it's pretty i I have to admit it's pretty fair as far as prices go now i do not envy the women or the men that go visit their loved ones and bring i don't know if you've ever seen them like the ziploc bags of quarters we have to bring ones y'all do oh yeah, I'm like, uh, I don't we have to literally you. bring a see-through <laughs> zip okay. bag of ones look, looking like we're strippers walking in to the visiting yeah. room. I don't envy that because yeah. they make change for us, obviously, but we don't have to 
use quarters we can just bring. Now, before, when I first went, it was tickets. Now they went back to cash because the ticket machines would constantly break. There'd be issues, and it would just cause more problems. So mm-hmm. they went back to cash. So now that we're, we can bring cash in, you buy pictures, you can buy you know food, drinks, desserts, that kind of stuff. Well, that's what my first visit was like. My first contact visit was a, was a couple weeks after that one. And I went with Michael's family, his entire family, um, for a Christmas visit. And it was amazing. And like I told you, I couldn't believe he was actually real. Like I could touch him and kiss him and hug him and take pictures with him. Mm-hmm. And it was just, um, it was, and it was nice also to hang out with his family as well. And it was kind of a surprise. Like I told him I wasn't coming and then I showed up because I could not miss, I felt like I couldn't miss this opportunity. I, sh- I walked in maybe about an hour after the visit started, got three hours with him and it was in his family and it was amazing. Oh, those, those times where you just get to like hug them and feel them. It just makes, like I said, it makes me feel like we're a normal couple, even mm-hmm. though this is not a normal situation. Yeah, totally. And One thing I think I forgot to touch on that I need to do justice for all of us who have loved ones in California is the scheduling that we go through. Just hearing about your scheduling process and how, you know, you don't even have to for last visits and it doesn't sound like it's too crazy for the other kind of visit that you have. Mm -hmm. It's literally, I cannot even tell you how many times, and I'll say this over and over again, that I cried when trying to schedule visits literally the most mentally taxing thing ever the website crashes constantly so you have to schedule them oh yeah yeah okay so it's not on the it's not on the incarcerated loved one it's on the visitor okay yeah that's that's different for example if i want to schedule a visit on friday for next week i would have had to schedule it on thursday this or like thursday that just passed Oh, wow. And there's only a certain amount of spots. For some reason, a bunch of other people want to go see their loved one on that day. Mm -hmm. If I don't get it in time, then I don't have that spot. It was a lot more painful when we all were at home with COVID. So there were only a certain amount of time slots for each building. All of these women would just fight on this website. And then the website is its own beast. Like It would just not work randomly. And then it would work. And then it would shut down. And then you know, it would let you get the whole way through the process and then it would say error. Oh no. Uh-uh. And <laughs> there have, there were days where I sat there for 30, 40 minutes, just crying, trying to do it because that was the only way you could get a video visit because they didn't have tablets. Mm-hmm. It was, I remember every time I would, would do it, I was like, I need someone to come record me because like the things that come out of my mouth, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, I, they don't make it easy. And no. that's still something that we deal with. But at least now it's not as bad with the tablets because they can do video visits from those when they're out at the kiosk and stuff. But before it was hard because there'd be days where we didn't even get our 15 minute calls. Yeah. They didn't have tablets and the visits were the only thing we had. If I didn't get my 15 minute call, I went days without talking to him. So wow. those visits were really important. Yeah. And I guess let's talk about rules and protocols of visits. Mm -hmm. Obviously, 
Every facility is going to have their own list, and I recommend you check the website for your state, Definitely for do that. BOP, whatever you're going to. But um, ours changed. Uh, check-in used to be like a, a metal detector. Now it's like an airport scan. Mm. Yeah, so we go through an X-ray airport scanner and <laughs> they probably need that in california but the, the ones i've been to have been like a metal detector walkthrough type mm-hmm. yeah and, it, and if it's and if the machine's down they'll do like a wand and they'll wand you down like there's been times where i've gone where the x-ray machine is out and so they'll just wand you down and you have a female um co you know patch your under your under we can wear underwire i'm, I'm like oh, we can't yeah, when people say they can't wear underwear, I'm like, whoa, uh-uh. like, hell we no. Can, yeah, we don't have that problem or that rule. It just, it's crazy how it's just varied from one to the next. I remember talking to a CDCR wife and she said, we can't wear red, we can't wear blue, oh, we can't no, wear, no. yeah, like, I'm like, whoa, because yeah, every state's got something different happening. So we can wear all that. We can, we just can't wear like camo and all solid blue or all solid denim or all solid uh, white shirt. So, it's pretty simple compared to some of the rules that I've seen in other states. Mm-hmm. They're pretty strict. They recently changed some of the rules, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's all up to whoever is working and visiting. And that is who decides yes or no. It, it's literally whoever's checking you in. And if it's someone who's having a horrible day and they want to make your day just as bad they'll tell you no that's too tight or no that's for x reason and you really can't you really can't argue with it you have to either hope that you brought extra clothes in the car or hope that you know friends from outside is open right down the road but yeah that's what i was gonna say too i learned this always bring backup clothing in your car even if you don't want to. And I'm one of those people who does not want to. Correct. Do it because we're especially, a, I'll say this, a lot of the facilities are out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And for me, it would take me almost 30 minutes to an hour to find the nearest place to go get some other type of clothing. Mm-hmm. It's important to bring a duffel bag or some type of little carry bag with you with an extra pair of sh- pants, shoes, shirt. That's what I usually bring. Um, just to have a backup in case they say, you can't wear that, you need to change. Yeah, well, um, CEOs don't care how, how far you traveled or you mm-hmm. haven't seen your person in forever. They do not care because to them, well, I won't say all of them, but to most of them, this is just a job and there's no emotion attached to it. So, you know, no amount of pleading or begging will work. So just do that. Just save yourself the struggle. Yeah. So definitely, definitely pack an extra bag of clothing. And I know some people that bring several options because you, like you said, you never know what you're going to get that day, who you're going to get. If somebody's feeling in a battle axe kind of mood or if they're feeling like in a, oh, whatever, I'm not going to deal with it today. Just go ahead and go in. Just make sure you keep your sweater on. You know, like I've had that before. Like I can see through your shirt. Like just don't yeah, take your sweater I've, off. You know, I've had one um, that was like, those pants are pretty tight. So if you come again, you won't be able to wear them. I'm like, okay, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, every facility is different. And I, I just, I can't stress enough. Always, always, always bring extra clothing with you. I guess we'll talk now about more of the emotional and practical prep 
before a visit. I was going to say, that's one of the questions I actually asked Joe about okay. his prep before a visit. And he gave me another fantastic response, of course. Ooh, all right, let's hear it. I asked Joe, can you describe the process of preparing for a visit and what it involves for him? He said, the process of preparing for a visit is pretty much the same at every prison I've been to. Typically, I know when I'm getting a visit in advance, so usually make sure that my visiting clothes are neat as possible. I usually try to shower before I go out as well. If I can't get out of my cell for a shower, I will bird bath in my cell. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's <laughs> basically showering in your sink. <laughs> French bath. Yep. Uh, lastly, I will brush my teeth right before I go out. Now, once I leave my cell... The process differs depending on the security level for your prison. For most part, my incarceration, I was in a max slash super max level yard. So when I would go out, I would have to wait at the gate to get escorted to the visiting room. Once I got into the processing area of the visiting room, I would then get stripped out and searched. Also, once you get to the visit, you have to leave to go to the bathroom. You would get strip searched. You also get strip searched once you leave. Now that I'm on a medium security level, it is less strict. Some places I don't even get escorted to the visiting room. I just walk there alone. Also, the only time I get strip searched is at the termination of a visit. Okay. Yeah, that's how it is for Michael. Especially yeah. not not a glass visit. He doesn't get stripped at all for a glass visit. But for a contact visit, they do get strip searched at the end. And mm-hmm. he can come and go as he pleases, like to go to the bathroom. He's able to walk out. Now, it wasn't always like that. He used to, the first time I visited, he came out in waist chains and leg irons. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, the death row camp back there is the best behaved camp in the whole camp in the whole prison. mm -hmm. They lifted the restriction because they're not a security threat. They're not terrible inmates. They're actually very well behaved. So they took away the leg irons and the waist chains. But so now it's almost like medium if, if, that, if that's the way Joe's is, because he can go, he's like, I just need to use the restroom. He lets the CO know and he just walks out and then he doesn't get strip searched. Then he just gets strip searched before he goes back to his cell. So, or his tier. Hmm. So, yeah. So it's, it's interesting how it changes based on security and how he prepares for y'all's visit. I know Michael, Hana has a very similar process. I mean, he takes a shower, he shaves, he has his visit outfit. Like he doesn't wear mm-hmm. his visitation outfit just any every, every day. He has certain jeans that he wears. He has certain shoes he wears. We're not allowed to wear jeans. Y'all aren't. Or they aren't. Oh, y'all can though? No, we can't. <gasps> wow. Yeah, no, not at all. Okay. Okay. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. I bet there's a lot of facilities like that, though. I bet there are. I'm pretty sure it's... I'm going to look it up now that we're talking about it, because I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I am almost positive that all of the CDCR ones, you can't. Wow. Can y'all wear, like, dresses and skirts? Um, They have to be past a certain length. Okay, yeah. So, Michael... Michael, going back to Michael, he prepares for a visit by just doing his normal thing. Like they'll, as soon as I get to the front gate where I go to check in, they'll call and tell him like first call, like your visitors here. Well, it takes me about sometimes 20, 30, sometimes an hour, sometimes an hour and a half to get actually back there. It depends if they don't have enough bus drivers, if it's a you know, a lot of people visiting and they have to move them. So, um, you know, he has time to get ready. His big thing he said mentally for him is he worries. 
He worries because it's a two-hour drive for me. He worries when I get on the road because he's heard horror stories of, you know, people getting in car accidents on their way to visit. And then the, you're just stuck there wondering what's going on. Why hasn't my visitor shown up? Like, so for him, it's a relief when he gets that first call because he's worried. He's worried about not so much me driving, but I think just other people driving on the road and me having an accident. For him, it's a lot of worry for him from when I tell him I'm leaving my house to when I get there. Because Is there something specific? Does he just think you're nervous about your drive there? or I think he's just worried about other people on the road. Just giving y'all a tidbit. People in Louisiana can't drive. If you've ever driven down here, it's people, you'd be kind of astonished. Um, I think he's just worried and he's heard horror stories from other people there that said, yeah, my, my, my aunt was coming and she got in a car accident or my daughter was coming and she couldn't make it because she got in a really bad car accident. And I think he just worries about that, especially because I, you know, it is a two hour drive and I do it twice a month, every month. I think he just worries, you know, if I'm going to make it there. So for him, it's a lot of worry. And when I finally, when he finally gets the call, he's, he's relieved. And then he worries when I go home. So he, he likes to know when I get home. So that way he, he feels like, you know, I guess he, you know, he's just, he cares and he's worrying, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm not angry at it. I mean, I think it's a good quality, but I know a lot of other incarcerated individuals there also probably do the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, when they're worrying about their loved ones on the road, especially if you're driving a long distance. Some people drive eight hours, you know, um, I can only imagine being worried about that because, you know, there's more car accidents than there are, you know, other ways, you know, other methods, train or plane or whatever. So, I think people worry when their loved ones are on the road trying to get to them, but Mm -hmm. Michael definitely does. And then talking about maximizing the most out of your visit, like making the most out of your visit, even if, you know, you have a CO on your ass about something or they made you change five times or whatever. It's always important to make the most of your visit when you're in visit with them. Don't let the COs that are miserable ruin your time because, you know, just as much as, you know, your loved one's time may have been ruined too. Like this is like the time that you guys get together. And that's like one thing that I know that I've had to tell myself several times because I'd be angry about like one yelling at us because, you know, we, our hands touched for too long. And I'm just like sitting there just brewing about how I'm so angry that this man won't let us touch hands. And I'm like, I've waited for this moment to sit here with this man for however many months or days and I need to you know, live in the moment. And yeah. And you know, there are some people that work there that are absolutely miserable. And no matter what you do, like I always try to be nice to every CEO I encounter just because I, I, my motto is kill them with kindness. Because if you're rude to them, I, I always believe if you treat people a certain way, you're going to get it right back. Right. So I'm always nice. Hi, how you doing? Good morning. Nice to see you again. You know, I give the pleasantries because I feel like down here, that's a big thing. Um, you don't just walk up to somebody and say, give me this. You know, like you have to say, hello, how are you? I'm looking to do whatever, you know, like you have to do the pleasantries down here, especially. I find killing them with kindness is the not, is the best way to handle a situation. Um, I've seen people get in ma- screaming matches with CEOs. Let me just tell you this. It's not going to end well for you. Um, you're, it's a, it's a losing battle. I tell my students this in my classroom. You trying to argue with me is not, it's not going to work. You trying to argue with the CEO is not going to work. You need to remember your loved one 
lives at a facility where these people work. So like, you know, as much as we, you want to say and you want to hear them say, oh, there's no retaliation that doesn't happen and stuff like you have to prepare and kind of assume that it, it's a big possibility. Like, you know, you, I wouldn't want to put my loved one in a situation like that. Like, although things do get bad sometimes, it's like you just need to always make sure you're keeping that in the back of your mind. Yeah. And, you you know, they, at the end of the day, they have to they're around your loved one a lot more than you are. You know, so they're going to have to deal with them a lot more than you are. Creating a battle that's not necessary is is not, it's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for your loved one. I say pick your battles. Now, I will say this. I've really never had bad problems until one time. Um, I did not do anything at, at visit. Um, I handled that by going higher up, talking to the warden, and the situation was remedied after that. But, and after that, I'm, I've been civil with this certain CO. Um, I say, hello, how you doing? Or I just say hello and then go about what I need to do. Like, I don't need to spend time extra with this person. So just keep in mind, like, you don't have to be best friends with these people. Obviously, you don't, it's not going to happen, not really, you know, feasible, but it's important to know where to choose your battles because, you know, I've seen people go at each other with the CEO and they get kicked off the visitation list. Um, you definitely don't want that. It. Yeah. It's, it's not it's worth, not worth it. it. It's not, it's, it's just emotional stuff that you don't need. And then the consequences are just something that you may want to like think about before you even say or act or do anything. If somebody doesn't like you, they can kick you off the visitation list. You're not, you don't need a reason. Yeah. They really don't No. So it's important to make the most of your visit despite any obstacles you face. You're there for your loved one. You're not there for so-and-so and so-and-so. And so I just say focus on your loved one. If they tell you to do something or not do something, sure. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Enjoy your loved one. I always tell Michael this, like, man can try to keep us apart, but it's not going to work. Like, we'll always be together. Like, no matter what anybody else says out here in this room, like they can't break us down even if they try. Yeah. That's what I always go back to when we're facing some type of adversity in the room or, you know, on the way to the room or the visitation room or whatever. Just know that your love is stronger than a CEO barking at you for something crazy. Or, and you can remember that by just looking at the situation for what it is, all of the odds that your relationship has already defied and how it might have seemed impossible at the beginning, but look at where you are now. So yeah, just stay positive and remember to think like that. Yeah. And, and you think about this too, like I always, you know, in the moment you get heated, you get riled up and you get, you know, whatever. And then you're like, after that, you're like, okay, it's not that, it's not really that bad. Like, you know, I can keep going. Like I made it through it. And then you look at yourself and you go, okay, I faced the challenges here and I made it through. So, and then you have the next visit to look forward to. So I would just always don't let people's attitudes and people cutting you down or saying, giving you crap or whatever, keep you from visiting. Um, don't let them dim your light because you're there to celebrate your love with your loved one and see them and connect with them. And they are just a sidebar you don't need to pay attention to. So just know at the end of the day, your love is stronger than anything and that you're going to make it through whatever obstacle you have at visitation or on the way to visitation or in the process of checking in or whatever it is. And just know to pick your battles because you want to be there. 
you don't want to lose any opportunities that you, and privileges that you or your loved one may have. I want to talk also about after visit, like how do you handle, I call it post-visit blues when you're leaving because I don't know about you. Post-visit depression. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but leaving is the hardest part for me, especially during a contact visit. I just want to hold on to him and I don't want to let go. And then when I'm driving home, sometimes I'm okay. Sometimes I have my little ritual where I just put on music and I start singing really loud and I'll even sing sad songs and just cry if I'm in that mood. The the When you get home and you have this incredible day, and for me especially, and I know for you too, like it's going to be in months before the next one, the next longer. Yeah. 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 So it does, you know, the, the, the riding, the role it's, I call it the, the emotional roller coaster, all the excitement. Cause I know like the night before visit, I hardly sleep. I'm so excited. I don't know about you, but I, I hardly sleep. And then I'm ready to get up and I'm getting ready and I wake up early. I mean, I normally wake up early for work, but I'll wake up. I used to wake up at 3 a.m just to get ready for a visit, to be there for, you know, six or seven when it opened. All the excitement and all that, it starts coming, crashing down when you get home and you're back to life and then you're back to your home and they're not there with you and you can't bring them with you. And so all those post-visit blues or depression start set, setting in. Um, is there something that you do, Paige, that like helps you cope with that? Because I know for you, it's really heavy sometimes. Yeah, it's it's a little different for me because I think I have that no matter what our visit is when we leave because I only get to see him every three months. So it's always crying when I'm leaving. It's crying when I get in the car. It's crying when I get to the airport. It's crying when the plane takes off. It's crying when I get home. Like it's it's processing it in many different parts. And I think the hardest thing to do is reminding myself that I'll be back and I'll see him again and I'll be able to reunite. It's hard for my brain to process all of that because I'm just so focused on, but I'm leaving and like, and I'm not going to be with him. And I'll say I never experienced any kind of pain, like the pain I felt when leaving my first family visit that I had with him because Mm -hmm. that was... I don't know how to explain that except hell, (laughs) you know? And uh, and we had talked about it. Like, I almost think that it's harder to leave something like that versus just a regular visit because you do have so much and so much time together. I don't know if you want to talk. Do you want to talk about your family visits? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can briefly touch on them just especially for some Can I say this before you start? Cause I've been wanting to say this. Sure. And I'm sure our listeners who live in the other 46 states that don't get family visits want to stick, go ahead and stick your middle finger up <laughs> and every, at page and everybody gets a family visit and you want to just give it to her because you're jealous. You're like, Oh my gosh, if only we could have that. You also have to be empathetic to the fact that having all that leaving, leaving after is probably, it weighs so much. Yeah. It's so, hard. so go ahead. I'm sorry. So I just wanted to do that. I wanted to say big <laughs> F you to everybody gets family visit. Cause you know, everybody wants to say it. Yeah. You no, know everybody's jealous, but you I know, get it. we love you guys. We love everybody. We're happy that there are states that do do this. I think every state should have this obviously, but mm-hmm. I am happy to see that there are some states that do 
that have this program for these incarcerated individuals because I think it's something that's important to have, whether it's you're going with your fam, your entire family and you're having a family weekend or it's a couple having that time together as a couple. I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about family visits because I want to hear. Go ahead. Yeah. So basically, I can only really cover California family visits because I do know that the other states that have them are a little bit different. You'll hear us refer to them as FVs, but um, I know other states also have different names. You'll hear conjugal visits. Basically what it is, certain incarcerated individuals are permitted to have family visitation, and uh, that's individuals who don't have any kind of domestic violence crimes, don't have any kind of like sexual crimes or any kind of crimes against the opposite gender or like crimes that they don't really want to give the option to have family visits while incarcerated. You get to spend, depending on the prison, the ones that we've been to so far only have two nights. You get to spend three days, two nights on the prison grounds in a little apartment type building with your loved ones. You get to sleep in bed with them. You get to watch TV and movies with them. You get to make food with them. It's like for a weekend, you have a slice of normalcy as if you guys live in an apartment together. It's amazing. (laughs) Wow. It's, you know, Joe loves being able to make food for me. He loves cooking and having the opportunity to cook food for me. That's one of his love languages. Like that's part of all of the fun and you get privacy sometimes during personal visits one-on-one when you aren't, when you're face to face, but there's no privacy like you get for family visits. So it's, you really get to just be alone and that in itself is an amazing gift. Wow. Yeah. Definitely jealous. <laughs> so sure. do y'all, do y'all yeah. have to buy food or like, how does that work? Do you bring food or sheets, clothes? Like, how does that work? It, it's, it's different at every facility. Um, the facilities we've had them at so far can order food from Walkin' Horse, which is one of the distributors over for California. And basically all that's on there though is junk food and really gross, like microwavable food, bad food, junk food. And you can get a doctor's note if you have a doctor and you have a condition that need that lets you get other food and you can bring outside food as long as it's approved and prepackaged and bring that in and eat that too. For sheets and all of the extra things, you're allowed to bring one blanket that is like a single layer blanket. You can bring bed sheets, you bring clothes, you can bring lingerie, you can bring okay. um, all kind. Con- you can bring some lotion for shampoo and conditioner and stuff. It just needs to be like a clear bottle. You have to have a big see-through duffel bag, which I now have a whole bunch of those, which never thought I'd own, but it's a lot of different rules you have to follow. And like the check-in process, as you can imagine, is always pretty long and taxing. But once you get through all of that, it's so worth it to have those periods of time with them. Like we just got our date or the other day for our next family visit. And I'm just like all smiles. I'm like, okay, got a request off work. Got a... And and how often do you get your visit, family visits? Yeah. This facility, it's every 90 days. Some okay. facilities, it's different. It's, it's less at some. I know there's actually some uh, facilities in California that do monthly and I couldn't afford that. But mm-hmm. even thinking of that is like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. You had me at, you had me at lingerie. 
<laughs> Literally, it's 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 just amazing because I mean I can't even tell you how many times I've cried about the fact that I wake up and then I go to bed and I'm in my own bed and it's all the same day. Like I woke up next to Joe and then I go to bed and I'm not with him and the pain of leaving that is so sad like (laughs) there's times when we go into family visit and it's like the first day and I look at him and I just start crying and he's like what and I'm like I have to leave you in one day in x hours like (laughs) yeah you're already thinking about the yeah after part it's it hurts bad but the whole the whole visit is amazing and let alone the rehabilitation factors of it like gives these men this is what life would be on the outside to like if you were able to have someone yeah and it's to me it's a human it's a human right for them to be able to have that um you know we know that incarceration is such a dehumanizing process all of it so to have those opportunities and you know i think it it gives an incentive to want to do better in prison because i know isn't it true that like you have to have certain you know, you can't have any write-ups. Yep. You have to be well-behaved <laughs> to be able to get. That's the privileges. first thing. Yeah. That's the first thing they will take away if you get in trouble is family visits. So if you get a write-up, it's done. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's not, it's used for good, maybe in the wrong ways sometimes, but also you could look at it and say, Hey, look, if we offer this, maybe we'll get better responses from the people that are incarcerated. Yeah. I even asked Joe his opinion on rehabilitation and family visits. And what did he say? So what I asked Joe was, what do you think is the positive impact of California allowing family visits? And what are the positive effects it has had on your rehabilitation? He said, there are two things that stick out to me as far as positive impact of California allowing family visits. The first would be giving incarcerated individuals incentive positively program. Some people in here have lost hope that they will ever be released from prison. Our attitudes and behaviors tend to reinforce that belief. I was one of those people. However, once I went out to family visit, enjoyed that sense of normalcy, even if it was only for 48 hours, it gave me motivation to want to positively program so that I could get the opportunity every couple months to be with my loved ones. Also, being out there gave me a glimpse of obtaining my freedom and being out there with my wife and family. Mm. It is important to me. It was important that I did this, and it was an important part of my recovery so that I can hopefully earn my freedom and one day reunite with my family and my wife. Oh, gosh, he's, always, he's got good he, answers. He always answers. He's so proper so with his eloquent. words. He always yeah. that's how he's got. That's how he got me in the beginning. I told you I can't with this man. His words are beautiful. Well said. Tell him I said that. He was, I mean, when I asked, (laughs) Joe's like giving you like these really great answers. When I asked Michael, like, can I ask you these questions? And he's like, oh my God, it's going to take forever. And like, you know, he just like, he was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to really think about this. You know, like it's going to take me forever just to come up with an answer. But, you know, I think I just, I kind of put him on the spot and it was kind of last minute. So it's my fault. Joe has some really great answers. Gosh, we need to have like a Ask Joe session or something. Like, he honestly, like he can give some really great, eloquent life advice. A lot of the programs, especially OMCP and stuff that he's been doing recently, have kind of helped mold him into being this version of himself. Like he was already at that point, but then it just kind of like perfected it. And now he's, I keep telling him, I'm like, even just from the person that I met three years ago, as of on Tuesday, our, our anniversary, our three year anniversary. 
um, mm-hmm. compared to now. It's like night and day, and I'm just really proud of him. So I like to brag on him is basically what I'm getting well, at. And happy three-year anniversary. Wow. Thank you. That's awesome. So are there any post-visit rituals that you do or reflections that you do with Joe or by yourself? I usually, after After, especially after a family visit. <laughs> well, no matter what, I always make sure to take a day off of work that doesn't involve like my traveling day. So like if I'm traveling all day, Monday, I'll take off Tuesday because my brain is not ready to go back to work. I'm a very big, I'm very self-motivated and I'm very, I'll push myself to do whatever I need to do. Mm -hmm. So if I don't set boundaries like that for myself, I'll be like, all right, let's go back to work. But like mentally, am I there? No. Okay. So (laughs) So I, I think that is a big one. It's almost like a debriefing after the family visit. Like you just need some, time for yourself to kind of recollect and go through the sometimes it's stages of grief I can only imagine Mm -hmm. it's it's like that for me um you know I don't like to visit on Sunday because I go to work Monday but I prefer to visit on Saturday so I have Sunday to kind of have that time to you know cry and pout and then get through it you know power through so I can only imagine after all that time that intimate time that you have in a family visit like you absolutely need a day to mm-hmm. get yourself together, especially and also because you're traveling. I mean, you're 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 traveling from one end of the country to the other, one the, coast to the other. So the time um, zone change is not a good time. I I'm over there long enough that I almost get used to it and then mm-hmm. come back. Yeah. <laughs> now, does Joe do anything after a visit in particular? He recent, so I actually have an answer for this, a solid one. He, as of recently, has been journaling more. Okay. Um, that's one thing that I'm trying to get into a little bit more too, but I had been encouraging him to do because a lot of the time him and I are the same person, just cut from different cloth. We always say he has a lot of thoughts running through his mind and whether they're good or bad afterwards, he just, you know, wants to get them all out. So journaling and writing it down and then maybe reflecting on it later is a thing that he's been really working on. And that's been helping. He also loves music now that they have those tablets putting Mm -hmm. in his headphones and just kind of disassociating that way helps him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, Mike, after a visit, he will, Go back to his cell and just lay there for like an hour, just stare at the ceiling and kind of remember the visit and all that stuff. Like he'll, he'll do that. Um, and you, and it's like that for a lot of them back there. And they, and, and I was like, so people don't come and like talk to you after. And he's like, no, they know the drill. Like, I think Mm -hmm. it's like a normal thing that happens back there. Like you don't talk when somebody comes back from visit, you give them their space. You know, you give them at least an hour until they they come out and they engage with you. Um, it seems to be not just for him, but for uh, others as well. Um, and then when I get home, we usually, I let him know I'm home and he'll call me that night or he'll call me that afternoon. And uh, we do a peak and valley, you know, like what was the peak of visit? What was the <laughs> valley? We always do that. That's our post-visit ritual. My son um, and I do that at night. And uh, it's like, I, you know, yeah, like, you know, just saying like, Okay, what was what was the peak, and then what was the valley? When usually the valley is me leaving, you know, mm-hmm. me leaving him behind. That's usually what it is because I have to say, compared to a lot of other facilities, our visits are pretty amazing. Um, I, I can't complain about our visits. 
we, because we don't have a lot of the contact every time, um, and most of our visits are glass, they're not as strict. Um, as far as like me holding his face, like I can hold his face, I can peck his lips, you know, like, you know, I have to be respectful. Obviously we can have a big kiss and a hug in the beginning and the end. We can have little moments throughout the visit. Um, so I'm blessed in that regard, um, because they don't get very many contact visits a year. I mm-hmm. think they kind of lax off a little bit, which is nice. Um, so we talk about, you know, the peaks of having a great, all the visit was all peak, but the Valley was just me having to glow. And sometimes, you know, when, especially at a contact visit, I'll cry, like I'll cry, hugging him, leaving oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, especially during the holidays, I, I cried. I, he had mascara all over his white shirt. You should have seen me leaving my last family visit when um, the CEO came to pick us up. She had to do a check of the apartment while I was still there. So that took her like probably five minutes. So Joe and I had already like said goodbye because I thought that I was just leaving with her. So basically she's in there checking the apartment. I'm just clinging to him and crying. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. uh, and then I, like, when we got in the car, I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't stop crying. <laughs> yeah. I try to be the last one to leave every time because I just want to hold on to him. So, so as long as I can, I'll be like, yeah. Oh, there's other people that are going to say goodbye first. And then I'm going to say goodbye last, you know, uh-huh. like yep. I'll be the last one to leave. But um yeah, that's, that's pretty much our post visit conversation of the peak and Valley and, and, and I know we don't have a lot. We don't have a lot, but what we do have is really, when we do have it, it's really great. Um, especially, you know, when I'm able to hold him and touch him and hug him and lay my head on his shoulder and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. just those things kind of, we, we never take for granted those moments because we don't get them very often. And I'm sure for you, like when you're with at a family visit and you only have, 48 hours or how many ever mm. hours you get, you want to like, you take, you don't take for granted any moment of that. And, you know, you think of couples that you see out and I get so frustrated when I see couples out. I know I'm kind of segueing, but when you see couples at dinner that don't even talk to each other, they're on their phones and they barely talk at dinner. And I'm like, yeah. Gosh, you know, I would give anything for that. So when we have those moments, <laughs> when we have family visits, um, we can't even have our phones. So it's yeah. honestly the coolest, the coolest thing ever. I remember the first time I went, I was like, Oh, how am I going to survive without my phone or like miss? Like I'm, cause I'm one of those people who just like needs to like touch it or at least be in the vicinity of it. Mm-hmm. And now I like look forward to family visits solely because I'm so disconnected from my phone and everyone else. And, and you're so present with your person. Yes. Yep. It's, it's like old school dating. It's like dating yeah, before that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no distractions. It's just you and your loved one. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's incredible. So, um, is there anything that you wanted to add about visit before we close out? No, I mean, the only thing I would add is maybe if anyone wants to share with us some of their mm. visit stories, I love to hear about them, whether, you know, whether they're good or bad. I think the more that we all learn about everyone's experiences, the better. Absolutely. Uh, um, it just makes everyone kind of more prepared for the different possibilities. I know you said from state to state, it's different, even, you know, in the feds, I know it's different. So it, learning about it and getting through it, although it sometimes feels like you're alone, we are all in, in this together. 
Yeah, and we, we'd love to hear if you know if you have something in particular that you want to share that you think is important for people to know at your facility because even facilities within the same state have different. Yeah. You know, so um, we'd love to hear your stories. We'd love to hear anything that you want to share out with us. Um, you can visit our socials, our um, Instagram, a prison wife podcast, our email. Please email us at prisonwifepod at gmail.com. And Paige, uh, we also have a, a Tic Tac. We do have a Tic Tac. Um, I believe the at is a prison wife podcast. But if you search love within walls, um, there is a really great resource um, online on Facebook and on X, formerly known as Twitter. I think it's called the Visitation Room. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Paige. Mm-mm. It's a it's a page where people that have incarcerated loved ones can go and share out their stories of visiting, um, facility protocol rules, questions. Um, it even does criminal justice updates, uh, reform updates. So um, if you ever get a, a sh- shout out, we need to give some shout outs. Shout out to a visitation, the visitation or the visiting room. I want to say it's the visiting room. Um, they have some really great resources as far as like helping people maybe who are visiting for the first time with, you know, rules, protocols, things like that. I I have one more shout out to give, um, which is also half a resource too. Um, I want to give a shout out to the foundation. It's called 300 Letters. It's actually ran by one of the best women that I've ever met. Her name is Amanda Tarver. She runs it with her husband, Legend. Um, mainly, they focus on helping families that are impacted by incarceration, specifically ones that where there's kids involved. Her entire foundation is absolutely amazing. They have a fundraiser coming up where all of the proceeds go 100% towards their foundation and helping kids. I definitely just recommend if you haven't ever checked out their website, you do that. They have a lot of really great resources and can provide you a lot of help if you are going through this incarceration journey and you have children. Um, they have in-person meetings and they have virtual meetings, which are really cool. I actually just finished up their virtual series, which was an eight-week course. It was amazing connecting with women all over the United States going through this journey and getting advice from Amanda and feeling a lot less alone. I think that she's a big reason that kind of I got to push to create this podcast and be a little bit more brave by putting my life out there. And I just wanted to give her and her organization a shout out and just let all of you guys know that that is something that's available. Oh yeah. Big shout out. Wow. Yeah. She didn't know that was okay. I might, I might want to do that virtual thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get that from you. That's pretty awesome. And um, if you want to reach out to us, please do. Oh, before we close out, it is, time bum, 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 bum. can't forget that meme can't forget the memes y'all <laughs> it's a meme world okay so our meme game is strong and with the topic of visitation this week there's so many visitation memes um you know the one where i only wake up at 3 a.m to go to visit you know all that stuff um but i found this one i think it's uh bitmojis it's a bitmojis well, yeah and um, it says, oh, okay, close your eyes. Um, it's from, it's been water, watermarked by a person named Helly Kisses. Okay. So giving clout to Helly Kisses here for her meme here. 
Um, the ty- the, the meme, the tagline says how visiting process feels. And it looks like one of those scanners that you put your carry-ons on mm-hmm. the airport. TSA. Yeah. And you have the CEO standing there looking at the screen and the girl has herself laying down on the belt to go through the scanner. Totally yep. relatable to this because like I said, we have the, the airport scanner, the x-ray scanner that you, it slides you through basically. So I totally am relating to this because I was like, yep, that's how it feels. You, you have to stand still. You can't move. And they scan your bones, basically. Uh, if any of you guys end up sending these to your men, let us know. I sent last week's to Joe, and they finally approved it, actually, this morning, ironically. And it, he he was laughing at me. Yes. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, what? <laughs> I love it. Yes, send these to your guys. We'll post them on Wednesday when the pod drops. When I first sent that to Michael, he laughed his ass off at that one. So um, they'll definitely be a meme of the week every week. Share them with your loved ones. They'll get a kick out of it. They get to see on this one, they get to see how it feels when you go to their facility to get checked in for visit. That's all I have, Paige. Do you have anything else? That is all I have. Well, we hope you enjoyed this second episode of Love Within Walls, a Prison Life podcast. Hope you're having a great Wednesday. Yeah. Happy hump day, guys. Happy hump day. We're halfway there. Hump, hump, hump day. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But anyway, we can't wait to be back with you next week with a new topic. And if you have your visitation stories, please share it with us on our socials or our email. And we look forward to hearing from you guys. Talk to you guys next week. All right. Besitos. Bye, guys. Bye, friends.